It's Monday morning. We always finish the show the same way with the Courier Mail's chief sports writer in Robert Crash Craddock. Crash, good morning. Lads, yes, it's uh, slow play. <laughs> I heard you talking about it. Oh, yeah, it drives fans mad, doesn't it, Crasher? Oh, look, it really does. And Patrick Cantlay has seen, has become a villain of the PGA Tour, and they do need villains in the way he sort of absorbed this criticism about slow play, necessarily apologising it or changing his facial expression. So, um, yeah, but he's under severe pressure, isn't he? And um, it, it's... It, it, it really is a killer. It, it absolutely is. I mean, mates of mine who aren't into golf, they think fast play is slow play. They look at it and they think, gosh, how do you stay absorbed around watching on television when, when you just have footage of a guy walking 130 metres? And, 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 you know, so the game's under siege as it is. But, Crash, why would he change if it's within the rules? Because of yeah, well, it, it, it just depends. There's a certain style of person who does it, who gets a think of them. Max Homer was in a tweet recently about really slow play, which kept his partner waiting, and it had thousands and tens of thousands of likes. And he said, I've taken this on board. I get the oh. point. I was at fault, and I will change. Whereas Cantlay is just bliss on prairie, isn't he? It's, uh, as I said, the man in black. And the funny thing is, uh, Max Homer is one of the most popular players with fans on yeah. tour. And uh, you do stuff like that, it even increases your popularity. Yeah, it cracker. does, because it, it showed that he, he's listening to, to the wider world, which golfers are always criticised for the bubble and not caring one hoots about what anyone else thinks, yeah. Now, you always kick off with underrated and overrated, so who are you underrated from the world of sport? Underrated is Kate Campbell. Oh, I've got to just uh, dip my lid to her. She's fabulous, the fact that she's lining up for yet another Australian on the Gold Coast at age 30. Gosh, I remember when she was in the Beijing Olympics in 2008. That's 15 years ago and about a million laps of the pool. So well done to Kate. Incredible at age 30. Zach Stubbledy Cook, the backstroker, Brisbane-based. Isn't he underrated? Current world 200-metre champion, current world 200-metre Olympic champion, uh, world record holder for that event and yet if you saw him in the street would you recognise Zach if you saw him on stage no. he's been so underrated and backstroke itself isn't it is underrated Crash um, I know a little bit about um, one of my daughter's friends uh, Zach and her were boyfriend girlfriend and the amount of dedication this bloke has is just unbelievable he used to sleep in a tent in the backyard for uh, high altitude training, uh, wow! It was just something else in his life. Every single thing he did, everything he ate, every everything in his life, all just revolved around swimming. Like absolutely everything. I think anyone's permitted to committed that committed to sleep in a tent in the backyard deserves mm. success. And, and look, it, it's a great story. And I still think we're getting to we're peeling back the layers on Zach. And, you know, Emma McKeon, I interviewed her about a month ago, and I said, was there any particular victory that entranced you at the Tokyo Olympics? And she said, I just thought the whole Zach Stubbley Cook story was just stunning. He said his, how he, his burn breath in the 2,000 metres where he goes slowly out of the gates and then flies home 
and, you know, to see him come through. It was only a few months before the Olympics. Mark Stockwell was on stage at the convention centre, Olympics thing. They asked, people said, who's your smokey for the Olympics? And he said, Zach Stubbley Cook. And people were shaking their heads. He was educated just up the road, you know, like about 10 kilometres away. Brisbane boy. So it's nice to give him some publicity today, Paul, too. Any other underrated? Uh, yeah, I just think uh, players who do their homework, uh, Reese Walsh, when we see him running and carving and conniving and sliding and bursting through defensive lines, we, he looks like the most natural free-spirited athlete in the world, and there is that. But I just think the fact that he watches nearly every game really closely looking for ways to fine-tune himself as a fullback, which is a very subtle, like a prop forward just banging it up the middle. You know, he's got to be all angles and feelings about opposition defences and, and cut-out balls. And, you know, it's a it's a thinking man's position. And he's trying to be that. He's watching every... And I think that sometimes young players do their job and go home. I say, oh, I'm not a big watcher, mate. I just do my thing. Well, you know, you learn a lot from watching. Reese Walsh, yeah, sure, he's part natural, but part of his skills are, you know, honed and trained by the reviews he does of other teams. Good on him. Tell you what, he didn't mind Staggs, who was much a senior player, much more senior player than Reese Walsh. Didn't mind him giving him a bit of a bake on the weekend when he did something wrong. Yeah, he did, and, and that's part of his growth as well. But he'll also cop it. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, it was he who was at fault in the defensive line and other players, who was it, gave him a nice good old-fashioned spray um, and, and, and he deserved it as well. So I, I don't mind seeing that, Paul, in a team. It's called accountability. And the good teams normally have it, that sharp sense of, mate, line up, please. And, and, and it's a sign that even though he's a junior, he's fast becoming a, a senior, isn't he? And, um, you know, I think that that's um, it's a good sign. It makes sense, Crash, when you think about it, because the, you know the days are so the days of um, of uh, just turning up, not knowing who your opposition were, etc. Surely they're gone. Your own team, uh, how they play on the field, but also the opposition. Yeah, you, you do. But I find players often go one of two ways. There's a guy, Aaron Woods, the the prop who's now playing for Manly. Um, he's so obsessed about the opposition. That and, and other teams that even when it's Saturday night, he'll be in the dressing room watching the game before it, you know, to to, to pick up hints, and, and and players do that. Yet there are others that almost don't want to know; they, they just want to switch off and be natural. And um, I saw an Indian cricketer playing in the series over there, Mohammad Siraj. I thought he was one of those who just just does his bit and just switches off and just couldn't. And, and, and you are, it does leave you at the gate a bit, unless you're a freak of nature. And I think it was Kurt Capel, actually, who gave um, uh, who gave Walsh a spray a few, a few weeks ago. But, but this, a little bit of that sort of ability, sharp edge words, is good for a team. And uh, that's your underrated. What about your overrated? Well, what about last week when we mentioned Kelly Schweeter's Top cult ring of steel as our underrated, and it created the tidal wave of publicity leading up to the Mick Dipman plate on Saturday. To the point where I'm fearing the horse might now be overrated, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, oh, that happens and, on this show all the time, doesn't it, Jerry? Pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's happened? I've said that Kelly Schweder 
There's been whispers that he'd be buying a new suit this week and getting a new haircut, and people have been having fun mysterious texts from someone claiming to be Kelly's hairdresser called Renee <laughs> saying he's booked in for an appointment on Friday and has said that he's sick of the shaggy look and wants the, quote, Paul, I'll quote this, the presentation look. So oh. that, that could only be for Saturday's McDipman play to me. You're spot on, Crash, for sure. I think someone's ging me up. I do, but uh, it's uh, but there's no doubt. I'm watching this Ring of Steel and the Mick Dipman plate. They say it's very, very smart horse. Other horses in the race, uh, you know, very well credentialed. I understand Tony Gollan might have one that they're even thinking about the Everest. So there you go. But uh, let's just watch that one with interest and also overrated. And I'll be interested in your feedback, guys. I'm just the form of the New South Wales big guns entering the Origin Month. Just Latrell Mitchell, Trebojevic, Tedesco. I'm not seeing that much from them. Is that just me or are they a little bit flat at the moment? Oh, I, I, I know Mitchell sparked up the other night. That's but... a, he, his last two have been very good. Um, and I don't think Teddy or Turbo Tom, I don't think they're 100% crasher. And that's, yeah. that's affected their performances a little bit. And I see... Who wears the number six jersey? Because Nico Hines is playing Hines is playing so well. But yeah, there are, there are probably a few struggling a little bit. Mm. And of course, if I had to sneak in another overrated, it would be growing your hair when you play rugby league. <laughs> I mean, I felt so sorry for the Newcastle. Brazil was penalised for grabbing the jersey of Jerome Luai and then getting a fistful of hair as well. I'm sorry, Paul. I'm sorry. If you grow your hair to that length. And down to towards your jersey, and someone gets a fistful. That's your problem, pal. Go to the go to ring up Renee's phone number. <laughs> Renee will cut your hair. <laughs> Renee will look after him. Yes, good idea. Crash. Yeah. Everyone that's made comment about that this morning is exactly in your camp as well. If you grow mm. your hair, wear it out, uh, you cop that because Frizzell was not pulling your hair; he was making a tackle. And, I, I have to say, Paul, I'm always surprised when players do grow their hair when they're playing a contact sport. I mean, you know, because your head cannot end up anywhere in a tackle, in a normal tackle. You know, it can be pulled accidentally. And uh, I, I just felt it was just the game that Newcastle sort of just lifted their whole self-esteem of that club. They're not finals bound or anything like that, but they need a kill and they need a big moment. And there it was, and they, they, they lost that game on the strength of that decision. And it was fascinating that Graham Annesley just sort of held his powder yesterday when he was asked him what they say officially today about it. But for the life of me, if they start justifying that, there was on Channel 9's footy show yesterday, they showed footage of Rod Reddy grabbing the hair of someone in the 80s. And I, gosh, I thought he was going to pull his hair off. Was it Kerry Hemsley? I'm not sure. He had a lot of hair to grab, didn't he? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And, and they made one too. Back in the 80s, if you grew your hair, you had to be a tough guy to get away with it. You know, Jeez. like Kerry Hemsley and all these guys, a lot of the guys with the big hair were the toughest. Well, because you, you wouldn't do it intentionally to pull Kerry Hemsley's hair. You wouldn't want to offend no. him. No, I exactly, and they were. The, uh, there was a fair point, I thought. There were some who grew it who weren't super tough. Russell Fairfax, although Russell was tough in his own way. Crash, with five minutes to go in the first half the other night, I thought the Titans were going to win by a space, but uh, they were gapped in the second half. That was the Broncos back in form. Yeah, they, they, look, they're playing really well. Out of seven, 
And they're banking it. They're banking these victories. And they're so important, Jared, because when State of Origin hits, how many of the Broncos will go to Origin? Would it be six, seven, eight? It could be that many, honestly. They're fortunate that their skipper, Adam Reynolds, will be able to sit back in the Bronx team in that time. So that'll be good. Him and probably Ezra Mam uh, at 5'8". But from uh, the likes of Carrigan in the forwards to Haas, prop for New South Wales, the best prop in the game, to Reese Walsh, probably the Queensland fullback, you know, all through the back line. I mean, that'll sting that month. And, and sometimes it takes you another month to get over it. So they've got to go win, 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 loss at the moment to, to get these wins in the bank. But they're playing. It's a credit to Kevin Walters. So, you know, Kev, Kev Walters knows football and he knows winning after five premierships. He knows what winning looks like. It's, uh, he's done well. I was just trying to, to, to number them. I think Walsh will definitely be there, even whether Pong is available or not. That'll be how that interesting how that plays out. Cobbo is another possibility. You're 100% spot on with, with Carrigan and Payne Haas, Kurt Cape. And I imagine Tom Flegler will be there or thereabouts as well, Crash. Yeah, so that pushes up to about the six. I'm still not sold on Selwyn Cobbo as an origin winger. He's bulked up this year, and everyone says, oh, isn't it great that he's stronger? Maybe, maybe. I'm not so certain about that. There's a certain litheness and flexibility that makes great looks. He's bulked up considerably. Sometimes you can go too far, so he's my query. But, yeah, you're right, Paul. I'd say it's no less than five, probably no more than six or seven players. But, but it is that many, and, and that's nearly half your team. When Wayne Bennett talks, people take notice. He, he said that hiring coaches, some are good talkers, but can't coach. This was a, a, a great story. I'm glad you spotlighted it, Jared, on the weekend. An interview with Bennett about St George's next coach. And he said, I'm not going into personalities, but I'll say two things. And gee, I thought it was interesting. He said, some blokes just talk a great game in, and to the coach. Mm. And, and, I, and I thought... And, and he says, whereas other guys are suited to coaching, just they mightn't be at their best in board meetings. And for that, you can read Anthony Seabold when he really spoke brilliantly to the board before being hired and sacked two seasons later. He can coach all right, but but is his natural habitat. He loves it. Whereas Kevin Walters, it's not. I've spoken to him the day before he's been interviewed for jobs, and he seems a smaller man. He doesn't like selling himself. He's a, he's a modest sort of guy. So I thought that was a terrific point. And the second one from Bennett, he said, clubs need to realise that some assistant coaches, that's all they are. They're not meant to be head coaches because it's all care, no responsibility. And he said, responsibility is what kills you. It tests you out. It grinds you down. And I thought... Then I thought of a guy like Ivan Henjak, who was a fabulous assistant coach at the Broncos. But then when he got the head job and all the publicity that went with it, it overwhelmed him. So mm. these, these are good points, you know? Like some guys just are made to be two ICs and some guys are made to be bosses. And he made that point. Gee, I thought it was very relevant, Paul, yeah. Cowboys crash. I thought they would be a definite top four side. I actually had them as a premiership threat, but they haven't shown too much this season. No. Look, a triple goal start to the Warriors, who had very little possession against them. The Cowboys knew their season was on the line and threw everything at them. But the fibre, Paul, of both sides was exposed. The fact that this Warriors side is tackling 
like no Warriors side has for years and years. They are organised. Andrew Webster, well done, the new coach. And the Cowboys just look as if they're running through treacle. They, they, they've gone back to where they were a couple of years ago, where their moves are sort of slowish and predictable, where you sort of say, oh, are you going to make a break here, guys? And, gee, it's disappointing. And, and <laughs> we could go on forever about this, but two quick things about it. They had one real good year last year, and then on the strength of that, a lot of guys got long-term contracts. I just sat back and I thought, aren't Melbourne a great team, you know? They've had, what, 20 good years in a row? And even though they lost half their forward pack last year, they're, they're grinding their way up there again. You know, it's incredible. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Crash, just moving on to cricket, the Ashes squad gets named this week. Any shocks? I don't think there'll be any shocks, Jared. I, I think David Warner will go. It's only for the, for the Test Championship against India at the Oval and then the first two tests against England. It will be re-chosen for the last three. That, to me, enables them to have a look at Warner in the World Test Championship and think, has he got what it takes for the Ashes? And uh, I do think Michael Nisa will go to the Queenslander, will be rewarded for a stunning season in Sheffield Shield and Big Bash. I so hope that's the case. He's a great friend of the show, isn't he? Oh, absolutely, yeah. But he's more than that, Paul. He's... At age 33, he's at the absolute peak of his powers. If he gets a test there, he can shine. Um, I can't work out Matt Renshaw at the moment. He's right on the cut line, Paul, um, because Marcus Harris is definitely going the Victorian with with a modest test record. Okay, so is there is there two players vying for the one spot that they really have to do a, have the toss of the coin with? Do you think Crash? Yeah, Bancroft, uh, uh, Cam Bancroft, and Matt Renshaw for the. I, I think they'll take three uh, those three guys for the one spot: David Warner, Marcus Harris, and then Renshaw and Bancroft. Uh, Bancroft's had a great Sheffield Shield year, and Sheffield Shield form in an Ashes year tends to be rewarded. Renshaw is English in every way. His dad's English. He, he was a boyhood friend of Joe Roots. He loves English cricket, playing for Somerset. Oh, he loves batting with Usman Khawaja at the top of his order, his mentor. But So it's a real toss to the corner. Oh, I, I've got oh, Renshaw 51-49. Maybe they both miss out. Maybe they both miss out. But that's out of all the positions, that's the one I'm struggling to, 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 to work out. Crash, on Dave Warner... Um, our winners and losers on the Monday and we had several sent through this morning loser Candice Warner for a performance on the project last night um, sticking up for Dave Warner as you would expect and ironic that you and I had this conversation about her last week because you worked closely with her on the back page tell us about Candice Warner yeah she is uh, terrific to go on with on the back page and a very you, when you sit beside people on the panel, you know what they're like. She's a very considerate panelist. She always says, "Can I ask you about this?" So I've grown to really like her. Okay. And her and David, uh, you know, you see sporting couples that uh, you know can some are tighter than others, and they're they are genuinely really tight. They are mm. the, the quintessential really tight sporting couple. So yeah, she's released a book where she's talked about her life and and the dramas about that. And, but the next big decision comes when David retires, and it's coming soon whether he releases a book because he signed the contract three years ago. So how much does he tell about the ball tampering scandal? That's the big one for me, Jared, because 
oh, it's just, there's more to that story. And yet he signed up for Fox Sports, where he could be sitting for the next 10 years in a commentary box beside Pat Cummins. So, you know, and, and I'm not suggesting, you know, Cummins was involved, but there is more to the ball tampering thing. How much does he tell in that book? That's the one of the big questions in Australian cricket and often discussed behind the scenes. Crash, we've only got about 60 seconds till the end of the show, so just a quick one from you. Gather round, what did you make of it? Uh, I, I really liked it, and the fact... I just thought Adelaide worked in the way that Brisbane worked for Magic Round. If it hadn't been a really big city like Sydney, you don't feel you own it, but League owns Brisbane in Magic Round. You know, you, you any, go to any quarter of the city and there's people with jerseys on. That happened in Adelaide, and it's great. I'm so glad they've nailed it down. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's just a, the perfect choice and, and worked well. Spot on. Always a pleasure, Crash. And I look forward to that team being announced through the week. And we must talk about, when you join us next, about athletes in the Olympic Village for Australia's own going over to France. As soon as their event's in, they're basically being sent home. It's a fascinating story, and we've got some interesting thoughts on that one, Paul. I can't wait to chew it over, mate. See you soon.